Welcome back, everybody, to yet another episode of Sisters Podcast, the place where you can learn and get insights about the cryptocurrency industry. I'm your host, Eric, and today we are going to talk again about Ethereum. But this time, we will go a little bit further in the explanation, in the details of what is Ethereum and how it works and how it relates to Bitcoin. And of course, we're going to answer at the end a little questions that you might have about Ethereum. I hope you're excited and I hope you will stick to the end. This is very important content. Now, without further ado, let's get started. So what is Ethereum and what is Ethereum compared to Bitcoin? Ethereum is often described as the world computer, but what does that really mean? Let's start with a computer science focused description, and then we will try to do a more practical analysis of Ethereum's capabilities and characteristics. While comparing it to Bitcoin and other decentralized uh, coins, decentralized platforms. So from a computer science perspective, Ethereum is deterministic, but practically unbounded state machine, consisting of a globally accessible singleton state and a virtual machine that applies changes to that state. Ethereum is an open source, globally decentralized computing infrastructure that executes program called smart contracts. It uses a blockchain to synchronize and store the system state changes, along with a cryptocurrency called Ether to, 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 to matter the, and constrain uh, the execution of of the code. So basically every time your code runs, it consumes Ether. So the Ethereum platform enables developers to build powerful decentralized applications with built-in economics function. So basically when a coder developer is building an app, he can use Ethereum to add some functionality that he doesn't have to code himself. So while providing high availability auditability, transparency, and neutrality, it also reduces or eliminates censorship and reduces certain counterparty risks. Basically, Ethereum provides tools for developers to write code that is um, unchangeable, that it will execute no matter what, because it is decentralized. So there are no single points of failure. And to modify the way the code is running, you have to modify every node where the code is running. So basically, it's, the, it's taking the principles of decentralization and making it uh, available to a wider range of applications compared to Bitcoin, because Bitcoin is very specific. It's very narrow uh, and it's, it's by design. Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto designed Bitcoin to do one simple thing, which is the transfer of value. Okay, and Ethereum uh, extends those uh, capabilities. So now why um, would Vitalik Buterin, the founder of Ethereum, um, decided to, to, to build Ethereum and not build something on top of Bitcoin? It's simply because the Bitcoin community uh, didn't want to change uh, the code uh, so drastically to add like a virtual machine and stuff. Because Bitcoin was designed specifically to do transfer of value and the things that Bitcoin can do Ethereum can't and 
the things that Ethereum do, Bitcoin can't. So if, uh, Vitalik basically had to create another chain to do his ideas. Uh, he couldn't implement that into Bitcoin because nobody wanted it at first. And it's not what it's made for. So if you look at Bitcoin and Ethereum and you take a look at how they work, you realize that although they have a lot of differences, they are completely different, but they share some similarities. For example, they are both a peer-to-peer -peer network connecting participants. Uh, they all, they both use cryptographic primitives such as digital signatures and hashes and a digital currency called Ether for Ethereum and Satoshi's for uh, Bitcoin. Yet, in many ways, both the purpose and construction of Ethereum are strikingly different from those of the open blockchains that preceded it, including Bitcoin. Ethereum's purpose is not primarily to be a digital currency payment network like Bitcoin, while the digital currency Ether is both integral to and necessary for the operation of Ethereum. Ether is intended as a utility currency to pay for the use of the Ethereum platform as a world computer. So basically, when you use Bitcoin, it's a digital transfer of value. And when you use Ether, it is used as gas in uh, the code execution. When you are using the Ethereum platform uh, capacity, you have to pay Ether in order to run the code. And unlike Bitcoin, which has a very limited scripting language, Ethereum is designed to be a general purpose programming, programming blockchain uh, that runs a virtual machine capable of executing code of arbitrary and unbounded complexity. It is Turing complete, as uh, we say in the computer science field. Turing complete simply means that Ethereum can uh, function as a general purpose computer. You can build any kind of application you can think of using Ethereum. And you can't do this with Bitcoin. And again, this is on purpose. Bitcoin is simple on purpose. This is a design feature, not a bug. And if you are on Twitter, you might probably have noticed the war going on between um, Bitcoin maximalist and Ethereum maximalist. Bitcoin people say that uh, everything Ethereum can do, Bitcoin will be able to do this uh, on second layer chains. And everything that uh, Bitcoin can do, Ethereum people say Ethereum can do it. So it's very uh, nonsense conversation and it's a war going on between the community. But in the end, we are both on the same side. We are both on the open decentralized censorship resistant side and not on the old way, on the centralized, uh, censured way of the past 10 years. So I cannot really tell you which is better, Ethereum or, or Bitcoin, because they are both um, dominant in their own ecosystem. Just like a shark cannot be jealous of a lion, they are both extremely adapted, extremely good at surviving. Uh, in their environment, but they're completely different. Doesn't mean one is better than the other, just means they are completely different and they are uh, used in different specific cases. But even if they are different, they are both open, 
public blockchain. And the components of a public open blockchain is it is peer to peer, uh, meaning it is connecting participants and propagating transactions and blocks of verified transaction based on a standardized gossip protocol. Uh, messages in the form of transaction representing state transition, they both uh, have a set of consensus rules governing what constitutes a transaction and what makes uh, for a value state transition. They have a state machine that processes transaction according to the consensus rules, a chain of cryptographically secured blocks that acts as a journal of all the verified and accepted state transition. And when we talk about state transition, let me clarify this. We talk about the changes in the blockchain, basically. Um, a consensus, they also have a consensus algorithm that uh, decentralizes control over the blockchain by forcing participants to cooperate in the enforcement of the consensus rules. They also have a game theoretically sound incentivization scheme, proof of work for Bitcoin, and they have they're going to have proof of stake in Ethereum 2.0, which we will talk about later. And they also have one or more open source software implementation. So all of these components are usually combined uh, in a single software client. For example, in Bitcoin, the reference implementation is developed by the Bitcoin Core open source project and implemented as the Bitcoin BitCoind client. Uh, in Ethereum, rather than a reference implementation, there is a reference specification, uh, a mathematical description of the system in the yellow paper. Uh, there are a number of clients which are building according to the reference specification. And I know this kind of sounds a lot of um, you know weird words that you can't understand if you're not a tech guy, and that's fine, but all you have to remember is that Ethereum and Bitcoin are two different species of blockchains. And because the word blockchain is just a buzzword today, it is used for everything and nothing, uh, we need qualifiers to help us understand the characteristics of a blockchain in question, such as open, public, global, decentralized, and neutral, and censorship-resistant blockchains. These are the blockchain uh, I'm referring to when I'm using this word. Because there are many blockchains that are simply not blockchains. They call them some blockchains, but they don't have the characteristics of blockchains such as Bitcoin and Ethereum. Not all blockchains are created equal. When someone tells you that something is blockchain, you have not received an answer. Rather, you need to start asking a lot of questions to actually clarify uh, what they mean by that. Start by asking for a description of the components in the preceding list, uh, then ask whether this blockchain exhibits the characteristics of open, public, neutral, censorship-resistant blockchains. So let's talk now a little bit about the birth of Ethereum. So Ethereum was conceived at a time when people recognized the power of Bitcoin model, and people were trying to move beyond cryptocurrency application, but developer faced um, a conundrum. They either needed to build on top of Bitcoin or start a new blockchain. And building upon Bitcoin meant living within the intentional constraints of the network and trying to find workarounds. The limited set of transaction types 
data types and size of data storage seem to limit the sorts of applications that could run directly on Bitcoin. Anything else needed additional off-chain layers, and that immediately negated many of the advantages of using a public blockchain. For example, uh, for projects that needed more freedom and flexibility while staying on chain, a new blockchain was the only option. But that meant a lot of work, bootstrapping all the infrastructure uh, elements, exhausting testing, and you know actually writing the code of the blockchain. This is a titanic, uh, titanic work um, made by Vitalik Buterin uh, towards the end of 2013. And Vitalik is just a young programmer and a Bitcoin enthusiast who started thinking about further extending the capabilities of Bitcoin and Mastercoin, which is uh, an altcoin that disappeared. And so on October of 2013, Vitalik proposed a more generalized approach to the Mastercoin team, uh, one that allowed uh, flexible and scriptable, but not to incomplete contracts, to replace the specialized, uh, specialized contracts language of Mastercoin. While the Mastercoin team were impressed, the proposal was too radical a change to fit into the development world map. So basically, there was a second layer solution called Mastercoin, and Vitalik proposed um, improvements to this Mastercoin uh, code. And in December 2013, Vitalik started sharing a white paper that outlined the idea behind Ethereum, a Turing-complete general-purpose blockchain. Ethereum's founders were thinking about a blockchain without a specific purpose that could support a broad variety of applications by being programmable. And the idea that uh, by using a general-purpose blockchain like Ethereum, a developer could um, program their particular application without having to implement the underlying uh, tech, the underlying building of the actual blockchain, the consensus rules and all that stuff. They just have to write the application. So this is very um, a big step forward for all developers because now you don't need to code your own blockchain. You, you simply have to learn Solidity, which is the programming language of Ethereum. And with just a few lines of code, you can build decentralized and stoppable applications, which is mind boggling. That's it for this episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any question, please comment on the section below or just send an email at eric On the next episode, we will talk about Ethereum again, but this time we will go further in the history of what happened to Ethereum until this day, especially the DAO hack, which led to the creation of Ethereum Classic, which is a fork. And we talk about that in the previous episode. I highly recommend you to watch the previous one before watching the next one. Stay tuned, stay healthy, and see you on the next one. Bye-bye.